The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 6. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week and next week here at Gloria Day, it is time for our annual stewardship emphasis, dictionary.com stewardship, the position and duties of a steward, one who is entrusted with property or financial affairs as a representative of their owner and who is therefore trusted with managing such in accordance with the owner's Interests. Pastor Roger. Dykstra, theological. Dictionary. Com. I, I might have made that up. <laughs> Christian stewardship. The position and duties of children of God. Those who know that everything we are and everything we have comes from God and ultimately belongs to God, and who are therefore called to live their lives and use what they've been given in accordance with God's interests. Christian stewardship is not only about money. It is about absolutely everything, but absolutely everything, by definition, of course, includes money. And once a year, today, we explicitly talk about that in general in some ways that apply to everyone here, and then specifically in some ways that perhaps only apply to members of Gloria Day, in response to which nobody... Let me count... Yet nobody, uh, give or take, ever says, yippee, skippy, I get to hear the annual stewardship message, bring it, pastor, and they throw their billfolds to the front and say, it's yours. Or in response to which, on the other hand, some say, okay, right, I understand, and mentally they think about opening their wallets, or in response to which, well, on the other hand, um, Some say, okay, right, I understand. Mentally, they start guarding their wallets. Or in response to which, on the other hand, uh, some think about how little there is in their wallets. And even this far into this message, they're already feeling bad because they truly would like to do more, and they truly can't. Or in response to which, on the other hand, some think, dang, I almost slept in this morning, and now here I am, stuck. How come the church always talks about money when it should be talking about spiritual things? Now, I have never been the pastor of a church that always talks about money. 
Uh, I have always been a pastor who thinks that once in a while I'm not being faithful to my calling if once in a while I don't sometimes talk about money. And the reason, um, and you'll have to take this up with him, not me, the reason is because Jesus actually talked about money a lot. All right? You can go do your own math, but as I read it, um, it's, it's the second most common thing Jesus ever actually talked about. He talked about money better than spiritual things like prayer. He talked about money better than, actually more than anything except one thing, and that is the kingdom of God. And here's the kicker. When Jesus talked about money like he often did, his reasons were precisely spiritual. Why? Because the kingdom of God, be it in this world and glimpses we get of it, or finally the next, is, is a realm in which God is God. And therefore, sitting on the throne, which is not just a throne one day in heaven, but is too the throne that is found in every human heart, where each heart's one and only ultimate allegiance is enthroned and served and obeyed, and worshipped. And what Jesus observed is that oftentimes God can't find room on the thrones of human hearts and their ultimate allegiances because there's already someone sitting there being worshipped. And that someone is the God of money and things and stuff before which they are busy bowing and enslaving themselves to and groveling. At least those are who know for a fact that there's only one thing they need for their lives to be truly and fully alive. And that one thing, this is all they need. More. Money. And things. And stuff. In response to which, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount talks totally spiritually by talking about money. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. No one can serve two masters. They will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, i.e., the throne on on human hearts can only seat one. Jesus talked a lot about money, and the reason was almost always spiritual. His point over and over again being that if that which gives our life ultimate purpose and meaning is money and stuff, then that which gives our lives ultimate purpose and meaning is not God, but something, something else. And if that which gives our life ultimate purpose and meaning is something else than God that is not going to turn out well for you. Because things that aren't God, if you ask them to be your God, your ultimate meaning and purpose and hope, they will not live up to it. They will let you down. They will do that every single time. Well, except for those of us who know that we are exceptions to the rule, right? We know that we would be happy all the way to the bottom of our souls if only we had one thing, and the one thing is more.
And then we get it. Darn it, it's still true. We know we would be happy. We know we'd be happy if we just had one thing, and that one thing is more. And Paul writes to Timothy, there's great gain in godliness combined with the rarest virtue there is in the world. Well, maybe just this side of patience. There's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. As for those who in this present rage are rich, Paul continues, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather to set their hopes on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of life that really is life. The spiritual reason for being a generous steward of the financial resources you have, God isn't fully God, and life isn't truly alive in hearts rusted shut by the corrosion of no interest greater than self-interest. God is fully God, and life is the real thing in the hearts of those who live their lives grateful to God for life and for all that they have and generous so that others may have. Which, if you're a Gloria Day member, now takes us to Gloria Day and you, Gloria Day being your church. Wait a minute, misspoke. Gloria Day being Christ's church. Some churches, of course, are rusted shut. Churches are rusted shut by the corrosion of no interest greater than self-interest. And in churches like that, God is not God and life is not life. We aren't that church. At least we strive mightily not to be gathered by grace and scattered for service. We are transformed by the gospel and its good news of God's love for us. We reach out to the world with the transforming power of the gospel and its good news of God's love for all people and in ways as concrete as food for the hungry and service trips to disasters area, we seek to reach out to the world with the transformative power of God's love that it's doing its actual concrete loving through us. Some of which, and this is where you get, folks, some of it costs money. How much? Well, the 2018 budget your church council is going to recommend you is going to be somewhere around $527,000, which, and this is really low, is only 1% of an increase over our budget for 2017, but here's where it gets interesting in a math kind of way. This 1% increase, we kept it as low as we could because that 1% increase in budget is going to require a 7% increase in giving by our members compared to 2017 because here are the two reasons why. In Gloria Day's budget for years, number one, we have budgeted a deficit which has been subsidized by rental income from our apartment building on the corner, our apartment building, which we have sold, which means that we have one year to become undependent 
on that stream of income. Now, selling that property is going to allow us to do some very nice and faithful things we hope to this building, but we're going to have to become undependent on that budgeted deficit every year, which I think is perfectly fine as a development because I think church budgets should be supported by the giving of church members and other incomes should be used for other things. But maybe I'm radical which is also why we made a second change this year, and that was to delete from church income something that we've had in the budget for a few years, and that is fundraisers that we use to raise money for ourselves and our budgetary needs. This year we actually did not do that, and because you guys have been giving at an upper rate, we've done fine not doing that. We want to take those fundraisers for us things out of the budget entirely, for coming years because we think that what we did this year was not just more faithful but more fun. We did fundraisers, but we did them for others, not us. Like the hog roast we did a a month or so ago, and when we were all done, we gave $3,000 for hunger relief in our community and in the world. Or the dessert contest we had such great fun with um, earlier in the year, and when we were done, we gave $1,200 to Table to Table, the food rescue organization in town. Or the lunch we'll be doing this Tuesday, where we are paying for all of the supplies so that every bit of free will offering that is taken in will go to, to Shelter House and its ministry to the homeless in our community. Our budget in 2018 will attempt to make that a way of life around here where members can give enough in their weekly giving for us and our budgeted ministries and missions and needs so that we can just continue to have the faithful fun of doing things like fundraisers for the needs of not us but of others. We'll see. If you see a hog roast for Gloria Day's budget next fall, we're running a little short. It's not in our plans. Generosity is in our plans. So, nuts and bolts. Gloria Day members will receive uh, in the mail an estimate of giving card. You should receive it tomorrow, but you never know about bulk mail. Um, Then we ask you to fill that out prayerfully and next Sunday return it out. So here you are with your giving card, taking this seriously because Pastor Roger said take this seriously and you people, well, one of you will. (laughs) Who knows? Um, No, I'm kidding. Um, What should you put on there? Let me me give you a couple thoughts. Uh, Nobody is asked to do more than they can. And if when you're filling that out, you decide that what you can give, that all you can give isn't much, it's a pretty small number in your opinion, I I do not want you to feel guilty or, or, or embarrassed or ashamed about that. And I say that because in the Bible, the Bible's way of thinking about generosity is not measured um, by dollar amounts. The Bible's measure of generosity, rather, is number one, hearts. God loves cheerful givers. I mean, he'll cash the check of a grump, but God loves cheerful givers. And two, it's measured percentage-wise, proportionately, not by how much the dollar amount you give compares to the dollar amount that somebody else gave, but by how the dollar amount you give compares to the dollars you actually have to give from. Cody. I knew Cody and Grand Forks who lived in a group home and worked four days a week cleaning uh, bathrooms at the Air Force Base. 
Uh, every week, every week, Cody brought his church offering envelope, and in it was what he was able to give that week. Um, I looked at his giving report one year. One week, he was able to give nine cents. Another week, he maybe gave two dollars. Um, every single week, when he came to church, he ran in and said, "I love Jesus, Pastor Roger." Everybody who ever was signed up to serve communion know that if Cody was so just enthused with his love for Jesus that when you went up because you were assigned to give commun- serve communion, if Cody ran up and said, I want to serve today, you always said yes because it just was the right thing to do. Cody, a cheerful giver whose dollar amount for the year probably never reached $100. But he was one of the most faithfully generous givers I've ever known. So back to you and your card. What will faithful generosity look like for you? Well, since we're people who are gathered by grace, I will not get all legalistic about it, but I will tell you that percentage-wise, a number that the Bible talks about with a smile on its face is uh, giving 10% of your income. Not necessarily all to your church, but all to something that's not you. Doing that, giving 10% of your income is called tithing. It's not a law, but it's a benchmark the Bible is fond of. Uh, Kathy and I have been tithing for years. Um, Early on in our married life, that was not possible, and people were gracious enough to remind me that, um, that nobody's asked to give what they can't. When I became a pastor, though, um, I knew that I couldn't, with any integrity, and I tried to, you know, try to have at least a little of that, I couldn't, with any integrity, put before people the option of tithing if they could, unless we were tithing if we could. Um, So we tried it, and it turned out we could, and we still do, which means, frankly, that sometimes we haven't been able to afford something we'd like to have, or we haven't been able to afford it right now. Um... But you know what? We've had everything we need. And frankly, oh, we have way more than we need. And maybe it's because I was raised by tithers. Who, by the way, were poor. I did not know this at the time. Uh, My brother informed me um, because we had everything we needed. (laughs) But I was raised by tithers, and maybe that's part of it. But uh, if I have everything I truly need, and more. And if I wasn't tithing, I'd have trouble being at peace there. All right? Uh, I've been blessed. And I wouldn't be at peace if I weren't saying thank you for that by doing what I believe God has possible, made it possible for us and we to do, uh, to be a blessing to others and to do some of that. In our case, it turns out most of it through the church, but that's not required. So what should you do? Well, I invite you, and don't just treat this rhetorically, I invite you to to talk to God before you fill out your card, uh, and then you can do what God is asking you to do. And if the voice that starts talking to you then tells you to do something you can't do, I, I promise you that's not God, all right? God doesn't ask you to do what you can't do. I also, however, won't promise you that God won't ever ask you to reevaluate what you think you can do, If, like me, you are somebody who has everything you need, this is another conversation for you and God, wants and needs. 
If, like me, you are someone who has everything you need, probably even more, I invite you to consider this tithing thing. Or at least maybe this year would be the year that you take a growth step in that direction. Take a look at the amount of dollars you've given this past year and your income, and then do the math. And if you're not a math person, you know, I'll put you in touch with a math person if you need. Do the math and figure out what percentage you gave this past year. And, and, and if, it was, if, it was, if it was 2%, then, then consider a step in the direction of tithing next year. Make it 3%. And then maybe the next year, 4%. I actually knew a guy, um, a former bishop of mine, who, who did that every year until he got to double tithing. He got the 20%. Um, and I never heard him brag about that. Because why? Because it's he and his life, just like me and my life, there were so many Cody's who just humbled us so far that there was nothing, I mean, there was nothing to brag about. There were other people before whom we were too awed. Anyway, that, folks, is how it sounds this year when one week in the church, we're a church that talks about money. One week in the year, I I want to thank you in advance for your faithful response. I want to thank you for your giving this year. It's made it possible for us to actually think you might step up and allow us to make those changes for next year that we want to make. Uh, And I want to thank you for the ways in which, listen, not just with money. We had to talk about money today, but not just with money. I want to thank you for the ways in which with time and talent that God has given you, you do live life fully alive because you live generously. Amen.